0: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. dot com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book, and uh, we have uh, we have a trade to announce. Well, actually, not announced. By the time you're listening to this, you already know about the trade, but we're going to talk about it.
1: Uh, jo- joining me today is is Matt Drake. Matt, how are you? I'm I'm terrific. You know, it's always a good day when the Habs are uh, taking the right steps in the rebuild.
0: Yeah, I- exactly. You know, there, there's not much to complain about when it comes to to the trade they made. Uh, before we get started, though, the Super Bowls are right around the corner, and Bet Online is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online—the game starts here. And where the podcast is going to start is—is is the trade of Sean Monahan. This was originally supposed to be a Player of the Month podcast. Uh, and it kind of works out well because our NHL player of the month was Sean Monaghan, and uh, he was <laughs> traded on he was traded on Friday to the Winnipeg Jets for a 2024 first round pick and a conditional third round pick in 2027, which is basically in case the pick that the Canadians get is 32nd overall. It's basically insurance for that. Um, for first impressions on the the trade, Matt.
1: I mean, you, you can't evaluate this trade without considering first the fact that Kent Hughes conjured all of this out of absolutely nothing, <laughs> right? He got a first-round pick just for being willing to take Sean Monaghan off the Flames' hands. So really, when you look at this, is Kent Hughes uh, basically out of nowhere – just acquired two first round draft picks for the Montreal Canadiens. So it's, it's brilliant business. I think a lot of people were hoping for a little bit more out of Monaghan, but let's be honest. We were all, I think a tad greedy thinking that we were going to get like, you know, a blue chip prospect plus a first, it would have been great. Uh, and, you know, at that point you're, you're maybe even getting into build a statue for Kent to use territory, but, it was probably never really on the table. So I think when we look at this and when you look at it with the, the greater context of how, how long this took and, and how much time Kent Hughes invested into just conjuring up two draft picks like that, I think you have to look at this as an absolutely brilliant piece of business for the rebuild. Um, this is two draft picks that they absolutely did not have before, and they got all of this for the cost of absolutely nothing. In fact, really what they paid was we just got to watch Sean Monaghan play some pretty good hockey for about a season. and uh, Well, about a full season last year. So really, the Habs are just straight up winners. There's no possible way that you can say that they lost this. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, all it cost was like, what, seven, eight million dollars of Jeff Molson's money. <laughs> like, 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 that's literally all it cost yeah. <laughs> um, to, to basically buy two first round picks. And what's what's interesting is that you know we're people are all like oh that that's not a a big return we're literally like a week or so away from people laughing when people were saying that Sean Monaghan would get a first round pick it, it feels like the Ben yeah. Sherat trade all over <laughs> again right where people are like yeah okay you'll get a first round pick for Ben Sherat sure and then sure enough they did get a first round pick for Ben Chiratt. Uh and and yeah. uh, that's that's pretty much what happened here and. And, and it's really easy to see how Kent Hughes works, is that he has a price for his players. And until somebody meets that price, he holds on. And then eventually somebody will meet that price and we get a trade. Uh, it was the exact same thing that happened with, with Ben Chirot. It's the exact same thing that happened with with Brett Kulak, Arturi Lekkinen. Basically, every trade that he's made where he is trading a player is is he's he's waiting for what he wants and then when somebody offers it that's that's the difference and uh you know could he have held out for a little bit more near the end of the trade deadline sure uh is there a chance that Sean Monahan would have gotten hurt before then yes uh so you know yeah. <laughs> you take you, you take the first round pick and you run and you know you don't really compare it to what Vancouver gave up for for Elias Lindholm because it's it's a different situation, right? I mean, I don't I don't think anybody thought that Sean Monahan was going to get this. I mean, look, this is a player that Calgary had to pay a first-round pick just to get off their roster a year ago yeah. or a year and a half ago, I guess. And, and yes, there's a salary cap and, and a salary issue that obviously is no longer an issue because he, you know, he, he re signed as a free agent. I mean, there's a chance that he re-signs as a free agent with the Canadians next year. And 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 slots right back yeah. in as as the number three center. Um, obviously, you know that there's a chance that you know Christian Dvorak might get traded uh, at you know with, with one year left on his contract. Uh, they're hoping you know Kirby Doc will probably be healthy again, and you know who knows what other what else they add between now and and next season. But you know there's a chance that if they need a, a third a third center with the NHL experience, that that Sean Monahan. Uh, comes back again. I mean, he, by all intents and purposes, he liked his time on Montreal. The, 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 the team and, and the coaches and the players all, all love Sean Monahan, uh, And that's a big reason why he re-signed with, with the one-year contract he did uh, this year. But uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at it, it's, you know, could you have expected a little bit more? Maybe. But I think that that's just people who you know, got excited when they saw the trade was coming, and we're looking at everybody on on the Winnipeg Jets once they were the team that was circled, and and <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, you know, if you would have said two weeks ago to people, yeah, you're going to get a first round pick for Sean Monahan, most people would have been like, yep, yeah, taking that to the bank. And and we have to consider also that you know there's a chance that Winnipeg goes on a run here, but there's also a chance that they, yeah. you know, lose in you know the first couple rounds and. <laughs> Um, that that pick ends up being in the early twenties as opposed to, you know, late twenties yeah. or in the thirties as well. So, uh, I mean, you know, there, there's there's still a lot of questions. Like Sean Monahan is going to be their number two center until Shifley gets back, and I don't think you know he was he was Montreal's number two center, <laughs> and Montreal is not you know a playoff team. So, um, you know, obviously it filled a need for the Jets as well. But I mean, it's not like the you know that first rounder is going to be thirty first or thirtieth. I mean, it might be you know no one thought floridas uh first was going to be that that low uh, until they went on their run last year but at the same time you know i, I don't think that makes much too much of a difference and, and to be completely honest i would be very surprised if bunch ends be, up being the one picking with this pick i i think it i think yeah, it's he's... uh i think it's another um another tool in in ken Hughes's chest they're now four first round picks over the next two years and and i think that they're They're trying to get older players, not older, but, you know, in that 23, 24 age range uh, and somebody that can build into they can build into this this core. Um, So, yeah, I would be surprised they even end up making this pick. But uh, at the same time, there's a lot of uh, interesting things you can do with a late first round pick.
1: Yeah, and he's shown in the past that obviously he's willing to deal some of those picks in order to pick up. You know, slightly more developed players that he thinks can slot into his lineup faster, that he thinks are going to be able to help the team uh, faster or maybe more consistently than whoever they would have picked with those picks. Now, I, I don't think there's a guarantee that he's going to trade those picks, but the Habs mm. have been and are apparently continue going to continue to be linked to the possibility of the Ducks trading Trevor Zegras, of course. Him and Cole Coffee, are boys. They've been friends for a long time, and I think a lot of people would like to see them reunite in Montreal, get a little bit more uh, dynamic up front uh, for the Habs. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be Zegers, but I don't think that Ken Hughes will shy away from making a trade with that pick. Um, The third that they got back, like you said, that's just insurance for in case it happens to be 32nd, because the condition, I don't know (laughs) if we mentioned that yet, on that third-round pick in 2027 is that they only get it if the Jets win the Cup. Right. So, I think I, I really don't think that Sean Monahan makes the Jets uh, a Cup contender. Uh, I didn't really see them as Cup contenders prior to this trade either. Uh, so unless they've got some other tricks up their sleeves, um, I, I think they they probably are what they are, and they stand a good chance of being out in the first couple of rounds and getting the Habs a, a pretty decent uh, chip that they can either use to pick a player or uh, they can package up and, and try to improve the team another way by by making a trade. So um, again, I, th- I think it's brilliant business for the Habs. I think uh, th- this is. <laughs> maybe some of, some of the best asset management that I've seen from a general manager in a long time in Montreal. We've seen pretty poor asset management in the last uh, 20 years or so, um, maybe the last 30 years, really. Uh, and it's kind of refreshing to see them be so efficient with their asset management uh, for once. So uh, my hat's off to Kent Hughes on this one. I'm, I'm happy about it. It does kind of suck to lose Monaghan moving forward because – know as you mentioned he was our player of the month for the habs he's been (laughs) over the last month their best player everybody that they've put on his line has had success joshua came up and had his first stint in the nhl and looked great on a line with him and yoel armia yoel armia himself had been pretty brutal at the start of this season to the point where he was even sent down to the ahl and he's been looking great on a line with sean monahan so he's a player that's been elevating some some other pieces on the roster Uh, especially as of late, and now all of a sudden they don't have that. So what are they going to do at center, right? You know, Christian Dvorak not available right now. Alex Newhook they're hoping comes back soon, but I think he's more of a winger, and they're going to kind of be forced to put him at center. Um, it, It does leave a bit of a hole in the lineup, but some people have pointed out on Twitter as well that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're on team tank, you might love this because you're going, all right, well, the team just got weaker. We're going to lose more games. We're going to improve the pick that we already got. And then we can just sit here and, and cheer for Winnipeg to lose as many games as possible from here on out uh, to see if it can improve that pick as well. So there, there's a lot to like about this. And yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate to lose one of the best players that they've had in the last little while, but uh, it's, it's for the betterment of the rebuild and, Um, We should be we should be pretty happy with this. Like you said, Mm I think all of us were guilty of going to the elite prospects page and seeing (laughs) the the Jets prospect. I know I did it and I went, ooh, Colby Barlow, ooh, Shabrikov, ooh, Rucker McGroity. But they were never, like, let's be honest, that, that was never going to happen. Like you said, Calgary had to pay a first just to get this guy off the roster. Regardless of the fact that his salary is way lower now than it was then, it's it's still, you know, it's still going to be tough for you to really get a king's ransom for a player like that. I think you're right. Kent Hughes had his price. Somebody met it, and uh, he said, I'm not going to wait around and find out if he gets hurt because that's been a problem with Monaghan the last yeah. couple of years uh, of his career where injuries, uh, they pop up. I was honestly surprised that the condition on on either of the picks was, didn't end up being he has to play X amount of games.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I mean, it, there's always a danger where it's like, yeah, he has to play like, you know, 50% of the playoff games that the Jets yeah. play or, or things like that. You see that a lot. You see that more often, I think, with, with football. I, I think that's, um, you know, with snaps and stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that it was like you know we'll give you a second rounder, but it becomes a first if he stays healthy. Um, yeah. and and I think it's a win that it's an unconditional first, uh, in in this case as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's uh, basically somebody they got for free with a first round pick, and they're getting an additional first round pick. Like, you know, we're we're coming from you know the Mark Bergman era where he I don't think he added. A first round pick. Like very rarely did he add a first round pick at any point in his tenure, and you know here's Kent Hughes with basically one player, and Sean Monahan gets two uh, in the span of like a year and a yeah. half. So um, you know obviously it, it seems like the Canadians are are m- like they're rebuilding on the ice and they're they're building an organization, but they're also a lot more creative than they have been in the past under Mark Burché um and and i think that that's you know just really good management um you know even you know you know there, there's been some other issues i mean you know tra- you know retaining salary on jeff petrie and you know all they have basically to show for it right now is uh tanner pearson uh and a second round pick which yeah. you know it, you know a second round pick is still something uh considering they you know they got Petrie in the first place by trading Mike Hoffman, uh, and not retaining salary. So I mean, it's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of rabbit holes you can go down here. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I think Kent Hughes is is well ahead of of where he uh, of average, right? Um, it hasn't been necessarily perfect, uh, but he's well ahead of average. And you know, even some of the question marks that uh, he had surrounding the decisions he's made. Uh, and you know, obviously, Uri is the 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 big the big shiny one on on that front. Uh, he's turned around a lot as well lately, right? So it's 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 gonna yeah. be interesting to see how how this goes. And you mentioned Zegers before. I'll, I'll go on the record and say that I don't think there's a player available right now that fits what the Montreal Canadiens need more than Trevor Zegris. Um, do I think he's yeah. necessarily a number one center, surefire number one center? No, but I think if you pair him with Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc down the middle, that's definitely a good enough trio down the middle to to win a Stanley Cup. Um, and you know that's
1: just, that's it, a that's a spine of a lineup that should be able right. to hurt you, like right. no matter what line. And out the,
0: the there. big the big issue with this team, right? They don't have a top end forward. Oh, Trevor Zegers is all offense, right? Like that's that that's his calling card. Like you don't you're not going to put him like a Nick Suzuki role. Uh, and and have him defend top lines. Like, his job is is there to score. And, and I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to use this pick or what, what the asking price is. I, I'm not speculating on that. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I just think if you add the things up down the table, uh, he is definitely somebody that makes sense for this organization where they are. And they're starting to collect the assets that they have to trade for him um, as well. So... It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, again, it wouldn't surprise me if they make the pick, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they don't make the pick. Uh, yeah. come come June in in Vegas, so it, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. And you know, honorable mention of the month for for January. I mean, Cole Caulfield had, you know, he he finally he finally remembered how to score, uh, or not remembered how to score, but he finally started to score, and and you see how it comes with bunches with him. Uh, and and that's a good thing going forward. Obviously, yeah. there's going to be issues. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to judge this team going forward when they might not have four NHL centers on any given night. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, it you know that y- you want to see your your guys perform, and between Suzuki and Slevkovsky and Caulfield, uh, the young D defense that they have. Um, there's going to be things to, to look forward to uh, as well. And a new hook coming back, you know, yes, he wasn't ideal as a center and long-term he might not be a center. But he, I thought he was fine as a center to, to start the year. Uh, obviously, I think, you know, he had Doc on his, on his wing a little bit as well. Um, and then when Doc got hurt, he became a center. And, you know, he kind of struggled a little bit. But I think also it was at a point where a lot of the team was struggling as well around him. Uh, you know, Savkowski wasn't playing his best. Uh Josh Anderson, uh, who was there for a bit wasn't playing his best, and they kind of struggled to find the right, right combinations. Um, so I'm curious to see how Alex Newhook at center fits into this, you know, new uh Canadians team because I think that you know Uri Savkowski playing the way he's playing, uh and you saw it when he was playing on the top line, you saw it when he was playing with Sean Monahan. He that's that's who he is now. Uh, and I think that's that's a big, a, a big change for whoever takes that number two center role. Um, if Slavkovsky doesn't play on the top line, uh, he's proven that he can, you know, elevate a, a, another line that he's on as well. So um, that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the the best thing that they can do for Caulfield is is go back to the configuration that that kind of started him uh, that opened the floodgates a little bit for him, which is you know, put him back on the top line with Nick Suzuki and Yuri Slavkovsky. Now that Monaghan's gone, you know, I mean, they've, they they did throw Slavkovsky down on the second line there with Monaghan and Armia for a bit. And let's be honest, they, they looked very good. Um, I, I had no issues with that line. It was again, Monaghan was doing a really good job of elevating almost anybody that he played with. Now he's gone. And, you know, Cole Caulfield, I think, one of the important things is to not lose any momentum on, on his development uh, as a player. We got to, it's easy to forget this guy is still what uh, I mean, has he even played two full seasons worth of games yet? I I don't think so. No, he's barely played. I have to double check check that, but yeah, he hasn't even played two full seasons. So he's basically still a rookie at this point. And I I know that's not actually the case and you can't necessarily look at it that way, but you should look at how many games has he actually played in the NHL and go, okay, well, we need to figure out ways that we can continue this kid's development. And I think the best thing for him on that front is to put him back uh, with that configuration in the lineup. Um, Yeah. It's going to look rough some nights because you're going to have one line doing a lot of the heavy lifting and the other lines are going to be basically treading water. And there's not a whole lot that you can do about that. But I think, you know, paramount for this team is not to lose any of the development that they've made with some of these players. Um, And that way they can, allow, of course, them to continue to have success once the rest of the lineup is healthy and once they've made the other additions that they're going to be making through the draft or through any future trades. So uh, I, I would advocate pretty heavily for that. Cole Caulfield has been playing some really good hockey. And uh, I think the, the way that your Slikovsky goes in on the forecheck and everything opens up a lot of opportunities for him. And we're seeing him score in new ways as well. Like he's taking it to the front of the net. Uh, he's getting in there and getting in on some rebounds. If anybody, like, and Jure and Slikovsky, the way that he creates space out there with his forechecking, it's, it's opening up so many opportunities for Cole Caulfield. And we're seeing new wrinkles in his game as a result. So um, really good hockey from him in the last month. And I think that the only way to keep that rolling is to, to go back to that line configuration.
0: Yeah, it, just to circle back, uh, eighty-eight games career for your Szczytski in the NHL. So, okay. just, over, so just barely over, over a season. season. <laughs> yeah, he's in his he's in his like first week of his second season, uh, basically. Mm. Um, when it comes to that, and, and yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains, obviously, and 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 you know there it, it reminds me a little bit of when they traded Tyler Toffoli, right? Like th- there was no need to do that when they did it. But the flip side to that is that they ended up finishing last and winning the lottery. So, um, you know, you, you trade someone like Monahan, you get a first round pick, but you could also, um, you know, maybe improve your odds in the lottery as well a little bit, uh, and and you know maybe move up a couple of spots uh, in in that in in the the rankings as well, uh, which which obviously limits how far you can drop. And you know, there's a lot of factors when it comes to that. It's not the end all be all. But you know, it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt if you're not going to make the playoffs. You might as well finish as low as you possibly can, um, as, long, as long as players are are um, as long as players are still developing properly, right? Like you don't want to you don't want to become like the the team that never wins and is losing six nothing every night. And you know, th- there's enough core pieces no. on the NHL roster that they should be winning some games. Right. Like it, it shouldn't be like yeah. <laughs> uh, you tear, tear it completely down. But yeah, you know, I think everyone knows what what I mean, what we mean when we say, you know, falling a couple of spots in the draft uh, in the standings doesn't doesn't really hurt. And and to that point, the, the Laval Rocket are winning or they were winning and, and now they're struggling a little bit. Uh, we'll go quickly through our other players of the month uh, as well. Uh, and the AHL player of the month was with Logan Mayu. And honorable mention to Arbor Jacki, and and they kind of go hand in hand because Mayu's play really improved once Arbor went down to Laval, and since Arbor has come back to the NHL, the the Rocket haven't won a game. Um, so uh, it's not all on him, but he he definitely helped that team. Right? He when 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 he first was sent down, that team was in the middle of a, a long losing streak. Uh and when he was called up, they were 9-0 and 1 in their last 10 games. Uh so he definitely helped uh and there's a lot of factors into that. Yakudovich also played started playing well, but I, I think it helps an AHL team to have somebody like Arbor, uh Jacques-Ain in the AHL, and he he helped use game. Uh they were the top pairing by far uh, on that team. And, and I think that you saw my use game step up a little bit and and Everybody, you know, played a little bit better when when uh, when Jack was there, and um, it's kind of funny because you know the, he got called up, and I don't think the Canadians uh, won a game after he was called up either. So, uh, but you know that that's really the. It's good to see Laval playing well, and and Mayu has been better than I thought he would be all all season. He's the AHL, uh, he's the Rocket representative at the All Star game. Uh, and had a and had a great month
1: well I think you're seeing a lot of the same development that he had uh, in his junior career as well we we all know his junior career was pretty significantly shortened uh, by suspension and by injury and the the result was he missed out on a lot of development years but w- what I saw from him last year was beginning of the year he was making some some pretty glaring defensive issues I think it was the same thing at the beginning of the AHL season some pretty glaring defensive issues but what I've seen from him lately, and I haven't watched as many Rocket games as yourself or, or Scott Matla, for instance, but what I've seen from him in the games that I have watched is I'm, I'm seeing less of those than I saw at the beginning of the year when I watched him. And it's very much mirroring what I saw from him last year in London, where as he gets more comfortable, he makes less of those errors. And he's never going to be, you know, David Savard, block a bunch of shots and, and play a shutdown role, right? And it would be a, a, a tragic mistake to try and turn him into that type of player. <laughs> Right, His skills are offensive. He's an extremely good skater, and he has a shot from hell. And those are the things that got him to the AHL All-Star Game. Those are the things that are going to get him to the NHL if he gets there. And those are the things that are going to allow him to have success in the NHL if and when he gets there. So... Um, the, the, this season I've said this many times, it's gotta be all about for, for JF will and everybody in the rocket is figuring out ways to, to mitigate his defensive lapses enough to allow him to have success offensively. And I think he's playing what in his last 12 or 13 game point, point per game pace. Right. So you, you're seeing precisely that is that he's doing well enough to allow his, you know, his elite tools to actually shine through. Uh, Is he going to be an elite defenseman in the NHL? That's going to depend. But those tools that he has, they have to be nurtured. They have to figure out a way for that to continue uh, to to, to work for him. And uh, they have to figure out ways for it to work better for him in order for him to have any success at the NHL level. And it's good to see that he's, you know, kind of coming along uh, in the AHL. I think uh, a lot of people were concerned about, you know, given – the short amount of time that he actually played in junior what's he going to look like when he comes up against pro opposition uh the, the good news is that that he is learning uh, game by game and he's getting better and i think that's uh that's fantastic it adds yet another defenseman to uh the abs they, they seem to have too many defenses they, they probably need to start looking at packaging some of those guys uh you know we talked about trevor zegris i would be shocked if they make a trade anything like trevor zegris or even if it's him or somebody else if it doesn't involve at least one young defenseman
0: yeah, no, exactly. They they definitely have the assets, whether it's, you know, a bunch of uh wingers, a bunch of defenders, a bunch of picks. They they, they have the pieces to make a push. And and Kent Hughes is as hinted as that, right? Like he's like, you know, listen, you don't have to draft you don't have to draft uh superstars all the time. You, you can make trades, you can get them in free agency. You, you can pick up other guys and, and, and he's kind of hinted at that. Um and I think that, you know, you've seen it with Kirby Doc, like that was uh, uh, kind of a guy that came out of you know, they turned Alexander Romanov into Kirby Doc uh, and I think that that's something that you might be able to do, not all the time but but they have enough assets to to make another go at it um, and, and it'll be interesting to see, and yeah, with Mayu what, what you don't see very many like WTF moments where you're just like, what is he doing out there, and, and I think that that's that's raised his floor considerably in my eyes is that, you know, I, I was expecting him to be lost a couple of times in coverage. And, and at the beginning he kind of was, but not as often as I feared he would be. Uh, and and he's just getting better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely an NHL player there. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to be, you know, like a, a number one surefire number one defender, but, you know, surrounded by some of the guys he's going to be surrounded by. He doesn't really need to be right. We, there's mm. there's a lot of guys, and even on that right side, they have Backer and uh, a couple guys who can move over to the right side. Like there's, he's not going to be the guy to be uh, the guy to have to do everything himself. There's going to be a committee of, of defenders that are going to kind of help him out when he gets to the NHL. And, and I think yeah, shelter him a bit.
1: Yeah, it, shelter him a bit. You let him yeah. let him get power play minutes. Like right. yeah. If they did a hardest shot competition for the entire organization, I'm I would put I would sell my house and put all my money on him having the hardest shot.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really many people. <laughs> I don't know if there's any competition. That I mean, you know, Cole Coffin has a good release, but I, I, you know, his slap shots velocity. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's and, and also you know smaller smaller player as well, um, less power to get in there, but. Yeah, you know that that's that, and that's something that we haven't really seen that too much in the AHL. Like, there's been some times where he's let it go, but I, he seems to be more uh, deferential, and you see that a lot with young players. Um, you know, I was talking you know, we're talking about the women's hockey player in the month in a bit, but uh, Maureen Murphy is playing with Marie-Philippe Pelay, and she's like, I, you know, the first couple of weeks I was playing with her, all I want to do is get her to puck. <laughs> and, and I think that that's something that mm. young players default to when they're playing with, you know, uh, players who have more experience and, and obviously the rocket don't have a Mary plan. They do have a, they do have a good sniper from both, but, but not ready for the play. Um, but, <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, th- that's something that young players have to adjust to and, and you don't want to be the guy who's shooting. And, and look, there's, some, there's some, there's some stories that JF hull himself has said about Mayu where, um you know he showed up late a couple of times and the guys kind of got on him uh they tied his skates and um you know d- did some stuff to kind of be like hey you know you need to be more mature a- and i think that that you, you don't want to be the guy who is is you know comes into that environment was immature and then you're shooting every single chance you get you know what i mean like you don't want to be that guy to be like oh there we go shooting again so i, I think that there's there's some of that like maturity that's He's like, no, I'm going to defer to my teammates. I'm going to look for the best play. And and I think that as he gets more experience and more confidence, that's something that we'll see more often because uh, yeah, I I definitely think that there's um, the the shot is not really something we see. You know, he's just been starting to get power play time as well on a top unit. So it's not something that he's um, you know, it's not like he's been there all year either. So, but yeah, I I think that he's a great month. Yeah. You know, deserves the all-star recognition uh as one of the top scoring D in, in the AHL and uh rookie D. Uh well again I guess defense overall but but also rookie I think he's third in, in uh rookie defender scoring as well. So um yeah g- good month for him and um interested to see how he'll do in the, the playoff push for, for the Rocket as well. And uh European prospect of the month is someone who you we we haven't really talked about that much over this year is is Philip Eriksson and he's really reached a new level of offensive play since he's moved to to the Allsvenskan uh which for those who you know aren't familiar with the the Swedish setup it's it's a it's a men's league but just the basically the the AHL of the Swedish league so it's not a junior league uh he's playing he's playing you know in, in a men's league, obviously there's other players like him who are under 20 but it's not a junior league uh, and it's just basically the level right be- below uh, the the SHL and he's been putting up points, I think since he's been uh, in the All he's he hasn't uh, gone a game without scoring a point uh, so it's, it's a, a good month for him and he's kind of that one of those sneaky guys in the organization like there's so many of them that you look at and be like, oh, he can become an NHL player. And and there's so many of those guys. We we talk about it when you talk 25 under 25. um, And he's somebody who can really um, maybe surprise people as as he develops. You know, he's still only 19 years old, um, you know, in his draft plus one year. So he's still a young player, Uh, was eligible for the world junior team this past year. Uh, Wasn't named to the roster, but um, was eligible. And so it'll be, It'll be fun to watch him as well.
1: Yeah, Pat mentioned his production right now is up there with uh, some of the top prospects from the last two drafts. I mean, yeah. I can't personally claim to have seen him yet, but uh, you know, the you get production like that, it's going to make people pay attention and uh, maybe another guy that you just don't want to be sleeping on. I mean, it's entirely possible that he ends up being a, a key player. And again, we can still bring up the the trade aspect, right? Some of these prospects, if they're producing well, whether it's overseas or <laughs> Uh, in, in a junior league here, or in AHL, or anything, it, it could if they don't become uh, possible options for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, we, we can't discount the fact that Kent Hughes might use them uh, to try and get somebody who's going to be an option for the Montreal Canadiens.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always better when your prospects play well than when they don't, right? I mean, you saw it—you saw it in the <laughs> trade—you saw it in the trade um, with with Vancouver and Calgary, right? One of the prospects that Vancouver traded was um, Hunter Brashevitz, who, uh who is uh the, the leading scoring d in the ohl right like the the if your prospects start producing they they have value too right and if you're trying to trade you know maybe younger prospects for older players or you know not older players as in the 30s but like if you're trying to trade for a new hook or a dock or, or someone like that uh having a bunch of prospects that in interest scouts and interest gms is never a bad thing and um, speaking of, our, the North American prospect of the month uh, was Lane Hudson, and I mean not much you can say that hasn't already said about <laughs> Lane Hudson uh, obviously January he started the year, the World Juniors was named um, I think he was named to determine all-star team uh, at the World Juniors uh, played I think three minutes more than any other US player <laughs> on average per game uh, didn't put up the scoring numbers that many people expected him to, but uh, definitely was the, the the leader on that defense and uh, goes back to Boston University and does the the, the same thing there um, and and is just doing his thing, uh, playing out his season until <laughs> he's expected to sign at the end of the year and um you know, there's not much to say about, about Lane Hudson that hasn't already been said. And, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's really good folks and he's, he keeps scoring, but uh, no, it's it, like, like I said you know before, it's, it's good to see players produce. Um, and, and obviously he's, he's nearing, a, you know, likely, very likely he'll be um, signed when his season ends, uh, whether it's in time to play games or not, that remains to be seen. But, um, because Boston University is, is a really good team with Macklin Salabrini as well. So, but uh it, it's always good to see your, your players performing well.
1: Yeah, and you you know, the the whole disappointment over his world junior production, I think was it was a little odd to me. He had six points in what seven games, yeah. Like that's not bad production. One of the guys <laughs> who he has the most similarities to in the NHL right now is, is Quinn Hughes. The best that Quinn Hughes ever did at the World Juniors was three points in seven games. And I'm not trying to dump on Quinn Hughes. I'm just trying to yeah. illustrate the point that sometimes defensemen at that tournament do not blow the doors off offensively. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to have success at the next level. You need to look at uh, the production that they're doing in in their in their league play, which for Lane Hudson is absolutely beyond elite mm-hmm. from the point. I mean, he's playing on a very good team and that definitely helps him. But his NCAA production is elite. It's like one of one. There are very, very, very few guys who can come close to what he's even doing uh, right now in the NCAA. So you got to consider that. Um, I, I really do think, because people have asked me, like, what's the best comparable for him in the NHL level? And I think that the best comparable is, in fact, Quinn Hughes. And that, that may be a ceiling. People might look at that as a ceiling. But I think that, you know, it's quickly becoming a, you know, just a, a straight up realistic projection and not a ceiling that he could maybe hope to get to um i, I really think that that's the, the type of player that he could be for the montreal canadians everybody's excited about him and with with very good reason this is a fantastic player and uh, the fact that they got this guy outside of the first round is you know kind of mind-blowing it just, it just goes to show how some of these teams they, they they undervalue people because of their size or lack thereof and you end up getting them for for cheap uh lane hudson what a season and uh i think anybody who's worried about his his world junior production just take a look at some of the best defensemen that have come through the american program and see what they did at that tournament and tell me if that had an impact on their eventual nhl future
0: yeah i mean when we say disappointing it's because he's so good right like that that's the that's the only reason why it was disappointing he made the tournament all-star team uh like you said almost a point a game he had three minutes more than any other u.s player uh (laughs) per per game like he he was he was every he was the the their best he was the, their most leaned on defender, uh the team to end up you know winning the gold medal, and uh the only reason that we see that is disappointing is because he's raised the bar so much like it, it's not yeah. disappointing on for any any other context except that it's Lane Hudson. And, and I don't even think it was disappointing. I just think that we, people expected him to, you know, be in that like two points per game range um, uh, because, you know, he's proven that he can be that good. Right. And, and I think that he was asked to do a little bit more defensively, which I think is almost more impressive when you look at his, um, his, his, his future outlook, right? Like if he can raise that bar defensively and still bring what he brings in transition, uh, I mean, you know, the, the sky is the limit when, when it comes to him. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how he transitions. Um, but uh, everything he's shown is that he's going to be a a, a solid NHL player in, in my eyes. I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar or an elite player, but but I think he's going to be a, a, a very good uh, NHL defender. Uh, going forward, and yeah, yeah, I, I do want to point out the honorable mentions. Uh, you know, Rhett Pitlick had 13 points in his last eight games. Um, a little bit older, uh, that the clock is, is ticking on him, um, and his eligibility. But Owen Beck, after he, you know, another player who was at the World Juniors, maybe had a, a disappointing tournament. Uh, I think he only had one point, um, in the tournament. But the fact that you know, after he was getting after he was traded uh, to Saginaw. Uh, he's been putting up points like nobody's business. I think he had, what, six points in his first game um, in Saginaw? Yeah, he put up six in his first game. Yeah, Nuts. I mean, just, you know, uh, he's going to go to another Memorial Cup. He's going to show what he can do and and just uh, a good showing for him. And yeah, worth pointing out. Uh, again, read the article. You'll see all of the honorable mentions and, and all the numbers that, that we're not going into necessarily um, at com. But <laughs> uh, we're, we're worth mentioning on the podcast because I mean, anytime you get traded to a team, you get six points in your first game. Um, it's, it's worth mentioning. Um, yeah. and, for, and for the first time this season, we have a, a PWHL player of the month and uh, it won't shock anybody to know that it's Marie-Philippe Fleming. Uh She leads the yeah. PWHL in goals with six. Uh, she has an assist as well uh, tied for a team lead in scoring. Uh, if you haven't seen, uh, her tying goal against Toronto with 16 seconds left. I highly recommend you look it up, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on um, on Twitter or uh, whether it's in the article, the, the videos on the article as well. Uh, definitely recommend you watch that because it's one of the nicest goals I've ever seen. Uh, but, you know, what else is there to say about what, what you can do? Um, but Montreal's goaltending has been really solid. Uh, they're tied for first in the league with Minnesota. And uh, Anne Renee uh was 3 1 1 with one shootout loss, uh, 2.11 goals against average, 930 save percentage. And you know what? Those numbers aren't even number one on her team because Elaine Shuley, uh was 2 0 in two starts, she had a 1.5 goals against average and a 962 save percentage. Um, well, so. Uh, Montreal's goaltending may, they maybe they've been relying on it a little bit too much uh, they've given up 40 shots in their last three games which is not ideal but hey when you have goaltending performances like that uh, you, you can't go wrong and, and the last person I want to mention uh, is, is Maureen Murphy I mentioned her a little bit before off the top she's a rookie she she played last year in the NCAA at Northeastern uh, she was playing on a line with Chloe O'Hara and uh, Alina Mueller two of the top young players in, in women's hockey and she's kind of been under the radar uh, a little bit because she was playing with them she you know she doesn't have the the international accolades that those two have uh but she has six assists and one goal and um this season playing line with Poulain, she scored the overtime winner in her last game and uh she was also named to team usa for the rivalry series uh the the game's coming up uh, next week as well so She's really developed into a, a player to watch. She has a three-year contract in Montreal, and it's going to be fun to watch her develop, and she gets uh, the uh, senior national team debut um, that she'll have the Ravler series uh, coming up uh, next week as the U.S. is a 3-1 lead in the, the series. There's three more games to go. They play all seven games, even if uh, one team gets to four early. But uh, last year, <laughs> last year, Canada came back from a, a 0-3 deficit. This year, they also had a 0-3 deficit and won the last game. So uh, Team USA is probably going to try and stop that from happening. But uh, yeah, it's great to have PWHL hockey back uh, or, you know, to have it uh, at all. Uh, great to have pro women's hockey back uh, at a top level in Montreal uh, with Poulain and Debian and so many other players uh, around the league. And it's uh, been getting a lot more attention than I thought it was going to get. Uh, the attendance has been great and just keeps in t- keeps on growing. Uh, Plas Bell is pretty much sold out for the February 18th game. Uh, the game on February 16th between Montreal and Toronto and Toronto is sold out at, at Scotiabank Arena, um, which is over 18,000 people. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't checked it out yet, the, the games are on TV. Uh, they're all on YouTube if you're not in Canada as well. And uh, just a, a lot of fun to to have that back. We do have a woman talking podcast as well. Every couple of weeks, we we do it as well. So uh, if if you haven't seen those episodes, uh, it, it's me and and Zoe Hayden of the Victory Press. So we do have a, a full woman talking podcast as well. If that interests you, if you want to know more, um, so check, look out for that. We're probably recording uh, probably again this week. I, I think we're 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 due for that uh, with the bye week coming up as well. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun and. Uh, yeah, th- thank you all for listening It'll be a uh, interesting month for the Canadians coming back from the all-star break uh, without Sean Monahan without Brendan Gallagher to start uh, with his suspension and uh, it'll be uh, we'll, we'll have everything that you need whether it's on Habs and minded whether it's at dot com. so uh, if you listen to the podcast check out the website if you want if you check out the website check out the podcast as well uh, we'll have you covered on on uh, all from all angles on that one this episode has been brought to you by bet online and uh thank you for listening we'll see you next time